Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, Producer's Choice. This is a bonus mini-series where patrons of the show at the tube producer level can come on the show and pick a topic uh, for whatever they want to talk about gaming-related. Joining me today for this episode of Producer's Choice is uh, the leader of the Storm Clan, a CPOV network subsidiary, Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Hey, thanks. I'm happy to be talking about something we really like for change. That's, that's, right. that's nice. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So Matt, you were Matt was a guest uh, on the Bayonetta 3 episode of Tales from the Backlog, which was a game we both thought we would like, and then we played it and then didn't like a whole lot. No. So you're right. It is good to be back on the show talking about something that we do love uh, together. So I gave, you know, for this series, the guest gets the choice. Come on, talk about whatever. Lots of people have done top threes, uh, stuff like that. You wanted to talk about why we love the Yakuza series today. So before getting into like why we love it, just get some personal history with the Yakuza series. Uh, When did you first play it? Obviously you came on because you want to talk about why you love it. How did you get to that point? So I'll turn it over to you. Sure. So uh, it's going to start sad and then get better. Uh, But um, (laughs) so I didn't play any of the Yakuza games until uh, shortly after um, Derek Van Dyke did a Yakuza Zero episode for my series SideQuest. But then Mm -hmm. also, um, I think Zero, One, and Two had come to Game Pass PC. They had just come on. Mm -hmm. And I had started Yakuza Zero because I just I knew I wanted to play it. And then shortly around that time, back on August... I think it was 6th of 2020, the building that I live in, that I'm back living in now, had a roof fire. Um, I, my spouse and I own this apartment. The roof fire it was a corner of the building lit on fire by a contractor using an illegal blowtorch on the roofing, which Fun. was awful. And so the fire trucks came and they needed a ton of water. And for those who have never experienced a fire, firemen don't care where the water goes. They care about putting out the fire. Right. So... Um, <laughs> All of the apartments and three lines in our building got like just total water damage. And so we lost everything in our bathroom and kitchen mostly because it had to sit and grow and it grew mold. We couldn't get in until the DLB would let us. But Mm -hmm. we salvaged most of our stuff, including my podcasting equipment, thank God. Um, But so during that time, we were displaced. And for the first like two weeks before we got like long term a long term apartment we could rent and stay at while the repairs were being done, we were living out of a hotel, um, and it sucked. Our insurance was covering it, but it wasn't fun to live in an, in a hotel. But right. while I was there, I was currently at the time unemployed, and my spouse was working a lot on their computer, and I just kind of sat around on my computer doing not much of anything. And I was like, you know what? Let me jump back into Yakuza Zero. I've never played it. And that was it. The rest is history. Um, It got me through that really tough time. And then I continued to play it as we were displaced. Um, And then finally playing the most, well, the second to most recent entry, um, Yakuza Like a Dragon, in my home when we had moved back after the repairs were done. So I kind of went on this journey journey through this terrible thing along with Yakuza. And it only strengthened my love of the series. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of wild. It was kind of wild then when Ishin came out to like play a new game at launch because I hadn't done that with any of the other Yakuza games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. I'm a, I was in the same situation. That was the first one that I played at launch. Um, it's, uh, you know, like telling that story, like lots of people have stories about video games that, you know, help them through really tough times and stuff like that. Yakuza seems like 
you know, made for those kind of situations because of, you know, how heartfelt it can be, how melodramatic, how funny, uh, how many different range of emotions that it has in the story, how likable the characters are and all of that. So yeah, it seems like a perfect series for that. Yeah, it absolutely was. I kind of got lost in it. The the soap opera-ness of it was yeah. really engrossing. <laughs> um, and it it made me also fall in love with the characters a lot because I was able to like kind of latch onto the ones that I liked. And it, there's something about the storytelling that just felt very much like watching a movie with interactive moments in a way that other games like I like both Lef um, uh, Last of Us games, but those are cinematic, I think, in a different way than oh, the yeah. Yakuza franchise is. Um, I also love that it is a series that also at the same time is the most serious thing you will ever play and also not serious at all and completely ridiculous. And that dichotomy is kind of my sense of humor to a T. And so when going mm -hmm. through this experience and kind of feeling stuck, it was just nice to go through this. When we were living in the temporary apartment that we were at, where we were very lucky to have understanding landlords at the time, mm -hmm. very rare thing pretty much every anywhere, um, it was cool that like then I think it was either Valentine's Day or during the holidays while we were there in that temporary apartment, uh, my spouse got me the remaster collection for PS4. So it was three, four, and five. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it, it continued to be a part of my life in a really impactful way through that 18 months that we were displaced until we came home. Yeah. And it's, I was just thinking about it that the series is long enough to carry you through a long stretch like that for sure. Yes. Um, not to, uh, not to get too far away from, um, you know, what you just brought up there, because I want to go back to talking about like the storytelling, the melodrama and all of that, just to give you my quick history of it. I, I kind of got into it around 2019, 2020, something like that. Uh, it, it was one of those classic things that I've told this story a million times on this podcast. Like I got a PS4, I was out of the like console game for basically a whole generation. I got the PS4 in 2019. Uh, so I went to those lists that are like, hey, best PS4 games, top 10 PS4 games. And Yakuza 0 was like consistently on there. So I read the description and I was like, I like goofy Japanese shit. Why not? I'll give it a <laughs> yeah. try. I remember watching um, ACG's reviews of it and just seeing like what the combat looks like and stuff. And I was like, okay, I got to He just hit someone with a motorcycle. I got to play this. <laughs> so um, significantly less like trying time in my life, but I kind of did the same thing along the same timeline. I played the whole series in order from zero all the way through. Um, like I didn't buy Yakuza seven when it first came out because I wanted to finish six. Then I went to seven. Now Isha, now I'm caught up. So like I'm, I'm up on all the new releases. I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to be current with a series and then just looking forward to the new thing, especially since as of when we're recording this, supposedly this fall, we are getting another entry in the franchise. Yeah. And um, another entry that is, like a, a side story, kind of a shorter game, which is they're speaking my language because these can <laughs> be really long games. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you brought up um, something that we both love about it, which is like the tone of the series. And if like this episode is going to turn into like, you know, us pitching Yakuza to people who've never played it, this is like the main thing that I I really love. And what made it, makes this really unique is there are a lot of games that take themselves seriously with like, you know, melodrama and stuff. And there's a lot of games that are goofy as shit, but there's not a lot of games that are both. And like, you can get both of those within 10 minutes of each other in Yakuza. Yeah, I mean, the storytelling is really interesting. It comes down to how the narrative is carried through. Like most 
open-ish world games like this is. You know, it's more open world within a city, but like so open city game. I think your Grand Theft Autos or whatever else. Mm-hmm. You can run around the city and do go to mission to mission and go directly from mission to mission, or you can uh, go off to the side and do sub stories, which are these games side quests. And more often than not, the main story is 100% serious. With some exception, most of the main narrative is the serious storytelling with minor comedic moments. Whereas the sub stories are o- almost always exclusively comedic, whether yeah. you're teaching a bad dominatrix how to be a good dominatrix or yeah. <laughs> you find a club where executives go to dress up as babies. Like, uh-huh. these are just a few. And like, I like that this does that because when you think about games like Grand Theft Auto or Assassin's Creed or other open world games that I'm not thinking of, for the most part, if there's comedic stuff in those serious games, it's like one offs. It's not really consistent or mm-hmm. there's just nothing comedic or it's a different kind of comedy, dark comedy or like, you know, it's it's not goofy in the way that these games get goofy. Yeah, the the main stories, you know, in the games are like you said, they're they're fairly serious. They don't take themselves too seriously. It's like you said, soap opera. That's a good way to think about these stories. They're serious. The characters are very serious about what's going on. But it's all, it's over the top. You know, you have guys ripping their shirts off before they fist fight on rooftops. It's um, it's all like that kind of tone. And then in those sub stories, you get the humor. Uh, you also get a lot of like the series has this huge um, heart behind it too. And in the sub stories is where a lot of that comes through where uh, people learn lessons, people learn to be more accepting. Kiryu or uh, Ichiban are often the like, the voice of reason, you know, telling people like, Hey, you, you can't treat people like that. And they're like, you know what? You just beat the shit out of me. And you're right. I can't treat people <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that the heart comes through and the characters most especially, but definitely the story as well. I mean, I, and, and Dave and I have talked about this before with video games in general. I am open about how uh, video games make me emotional and I've cried playing many a game and there's mm-hmm. always at least one moment in every one of these games where that happens whether it's a tragic thing happens or like a character you care about something happens like it's just there's always those moments or even like there's some really heartfelt like just sweet moments that bring me to tears it's it's really well done and none of it feels like haha we got your heartstrings now like this was predictable mm-hmm. like a lot of it is kind of out of left field but the storytelling is really some of the best like <laughs> dave and i have joked about this on various discords but every one of these games will have a twist that you never see coming even though you know every one of these games has a twist like yeah, that. Yeah. you can <laughs> exactly. never pre- you can never predict it and yet after it happens you're like of course that's what these games do yeah this is a a little tease for you know like a dragon ishin which is uh, an episode that's going to come out in a few days on the feed but like a dragon ishin has one of those twists and going into the game i was like all right what's it going to be who's going to be who's going to be the double crosser who's going to come back to life cuz someone's it's going to happen and then when it happened it got me and i was like ah fuck i should have seen it i knew it was coming and i still missed it um it, it's really great how all of these stories have twists and turns and backstabbings and double crossings and body doubles and conspiracies and all of these things but somehow like you just like go along for the ride. It's not really a story that you need to like break down like, you know, complex themes or anything like that. It's just a fun, a fun, you know, melodrama, yeah, roller coaster ride to go on, you know? 
Yeah, completely. And like I I am just one of those people who is just very accepting of being taken on those rides. Lots of people want to like, oh, I got to theorize and figure out where we're going. Right. Uh, and it's just for me, it's like sometimes I want to do that. But for the most part, I don't want to guess. Because also if I guess correctly, then I'll be bummed when I was right. Like I like to be <laughs> surprised. It's like when I watch Doctor Who, it's the same thing. It's like I like when most Doctor Who episodes have a what the hell kind of moment. And I never try and figure out what they are because I like to see them coming. I don't like to see them coming, rather. And so it's one of those things that this storytelling does the same thing. And you would think after eight games or however many there are, yeah, I think that's the right number. Eight? Yeah, with side stuff. It it still catches me by surprise every time. Yeah. And, and I'm always happy to be caught off guard. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you're the type of person to guess at, you know, what's the twist, what's coming when you when you consume media, play games, watch movies or whatever, because and it sounds like you're not one of those people. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there are times where like, I think I'll guess it and I'll get it right. It's happened a few times very recently, like with The Mandalorian, we were watching uh, me and my partner and a few other things. But for the most part, like. I don't even want to guess because I want to just kind of have it wash over me because then it's also even more fun when you go back to because you can kind of trace the steps then once you know it. Uh, But if you're analyzing it from the start, it's like, then where's the enjoyment? You're just kind of picking it apart. Yeah, same. And that's the way I consume these things, too. I'm almost never thinking ahead for what the twist is. I'm always like in the moment of what's going on. So like I said, even though. I started like a dragon Ishin and I'm like in my head, I'm like, I know someone's going to backstab me at some point when it happened. I was still like, Oh shit. Didn't expect them. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it, it's real good. One of the other things like that kind of drives these stories, I think is the strength of the main players in, in them. Uh, I've talked, I've said the names Kiryu and Ichiban at some point, those are the two main characters in the main games Kiryu is the protagonist of Yakuza 0 through 6, and Ichiban is the new one uh, from Like a Dragon, and uh, supposedly continuing on with the main games, uh, Ichiban's going to be the main character. So I I think that like these are some of the strongest, most likable, biggest personalities of any video game protagonists out there, um, and I, I wonder um, if you can like expand on that. What do you love about them? Sure. I mean, well, for Curio, he's kind of the classic hero, right? The reluctant hero who's thrust into chaos, but then won't like his pride won't let him back down. And like mm-hmm. he believes in doing what's right. Whereas Ichiban was more of kind of like a bumbling jackass, like yeah. a lovable <laughs> kind of jackass that you want to root for, which yeah. are the kind of like kind of the two tropiest heroes, right? You think about it like those are kind of the two archetypes that we tend to see the badass who has too much pride to back down and then kind of the goofball who through a good heart is trying to do the right thing. And I think yeah. they both work really well. I think what's also works really well with the main characters of these games is the side characters that you also get to play as with them. Like in Zero, you, of course, play as Majima. And by the time that game came out, he was an established character that we were finding out backstory for. You have Mm -hmm. Akiyama here, who is probably one of my favorite secondary characters in the franchise. He's just this kind of cool, carefree kind of character. Um, And there's been many, many more. And I mean, in uh, Like a Dragon which they're all technically called here now retroactively, but like the game (laughs) that was released here, Yakuza Like a Dragon, because it was an RPG, all you get to 
you know, take control of all these other characters because it's turn-based. And the mm -hmm. whole cast of characters are great. There are characters you can even miss in that game, which is kind of neat. I like that there are some characters that might not even show up, but I think they're, they're such strong caricatures that go above and beyond. I think it's hard not to love them. I mean, especially, like, if you start with Zero... Even when you see Majima doing what he's doing in the later games, you're like, I get it. I kind of understand now why this character is like this. Mm -hmm. um, it still blows my mind that in the American versions of Yakuza 1 and 2, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, my, they, were, they were all done in English. Um, the, the remakes were not. They were only Japanese except for Like a Dragon and now Ishin both have English casts that you can switch over to, I believe. But all mm -hmm. the other games did not. But in the original PlayStation 2 releases, Mark Hamill is Majima in both of right. those games. <laughs> and honestly, it makes sense. Majima is a very Joker-like character, like mm -hmm. has heart, but is also clearly out of his mind. I'd say he's a little more redeemable than the Joker, but, you know, it's a toss-up. Yeah. But I really do think that these characters are some of the strongest starting points because you're taking control of these characters and it's... Like, I play the, uh, a bunch of the GTA games. I've not played the recent ones. But I never felt like any, like, I never felt like I was the guy, right? I felt like I was just kind of moving an avatar. And that happens in a lot of these games. Whereas even though I I am not Kiryu, he's a different person from me, I kind of related to him quite a bit, especially in certain moments, because they make him so human and so relatable. Yeah, and they're both, you know, at their heart. Kiryu and Ichiban are both, like, just really solid dudes, you know, solid, you know, uh, what's the word loyal. Um, they're both really gullible, which helps gets them into these really funny situations, these side quests and stuff, which is something that's really great about them. Um, but they're, they're both really solid, especially Ichiban seems like just, you know, the best bro to have around, you know, he's, he's just such a, a solid guy. Um, and, I like how you mentioned um, Kiryu is kind of like the reluctant hero who can't let go. He can't back away from the situation. Ichiban wants to be the hero, though. Yep. And that's like a big difference between them. He has this, you know, he's a huge Dragon Quest fan and he he has this kind of fantasy about being the hero. So kind of sets him apart. And it was a big um, a big move for them to move away from Kiryu as the main protagonist because he he's so like regard is so well regarded by basically everybody who's played the games that suddenly they're like we have a new protagonist now and they you know it's a big risk and i think they just knocked it out of the park the series is in good hands i agree like there are things that happen in uh yakuza like a dragon that like I was so excited that they did, but I also totally would have been okay if this series, besides having a few players from the previous game, kind of moved completely away from those characters. Mm -hmm. Now, anyone who's seen the trailer for the official Yakuza 8 or Like a Dragon 2, I don't know how the naming convention is going to work by then. <laughs> we know that Kiryu is in that game as well. And so, like, sporting some Linkin Park style haircut, like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> just very strange. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, but I agree. I think that he is a good new hero, and it was a like it was a smooth transition. Like I was tentative when booting up that game, but within the first few hours, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to love this doofus, aren't I?" Like it was yep. just pretty easy. And like I guess we should say here, there might be minor spoilers here, but the goal is to get y'all to play these games. So I don't think we're going to do any major spoilers. Right? Yeah, for sure. But if you want to go in completely knowing nothing about the franchise and we've convinced you already, I would stop here and come back and listen to more once you've played it because. Uh, 
you know, we have to talk about some of the mechanics and all of that. But yeah, I think that ultimately what make Kiryu and Ichiban such fascinating characters is that you can find they they are diver- like characters with that come from multiple angles and have these huge experiences that you can't help but like get wrapped up in especially mm-hmm. knowing where Ichiban comes from and he's like this orphan and then like that story just like the parentage of that story gets so strange by the end but <laughs> yeah. it only makes you feel worse for Ichiban and like really like want to just give him a hug yeah that's um another part of the, about those stories is they they always start out with like you know yakuza dealing someone's trying to take over this section of the clan uh, or something like that. That's how they start. But by the time you get to the end of all of these stories, they are these wild webs of conspiracies and uh, people coming out of the woodwork and like, oh, you thought he was in charge? It's actually I was in charge this whole time, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and again, it's like some of the games have um, more, you know, focuses on like themes, like uh, some of the middle of the series focuses more on Kiryu as like a father figure to Mm -hmm. Haruka and some of the other kids. Uh, So that's a thing that's going on, this push and pull between um, him wanting to take care of the kids and like his old life dragging him back into shit. Um, Like a Dragon has some focus on early in the game, has some focus on like the plight of homeless people and uh, sex workers and stuff like that. It's cool that they focus on that for a little bit. But by and large, like I'm just here for all the twists and turns. Um, I'm it's it's just a it's a fun ride and having those characters Kiryu and Ichiban as your like avatars, as your your eyes and ears basically through those things, it's just so fun. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny with the nomenclature that we've joked about a few times, they have said that they want the they the franchise has always been called like a dragon in Japan. It was changed to Yakuza in other places. And like that's also because the first two games, which were the only ones that were released initially, you know, were like very Yakuza focused. But as the series yeah. goes on, it becomes less and less about the deal of about you being a Yakuza and more about the things around them, but not necessarily you being one. In fact, Kiryu is only a Yakuza for a very short time and then yeah. spends the rest of the game either being retired or like not involved. And <laughs> like that's why the like a dragon name makes way more sense for the whole run. Um, yeah. And I can see why they want to make that change now, but it is. Uh, kind of confusing for the folks here on the West. Like, are we talking about the new game? Are we talking about the whole series? What are we talking about here? Yeah. Yeah. I think that the, you know, the shorthand of just saying the Yakuza series is going to persist for, <laughs> yes, uh, forever, basically. Um, so what's, uh, what's something else that, that we want to shout out about the series here? We already talked about like the storytelling and characters and stuff like that. I mean, you have uh, in your notes the virtual tourism, and I think that's something that's really important to talk about. I've never yeah. been to the actual uh, city in Japan that Kamurocho is based on, but I've seen photos of it. And, like, it's one thing. Like, there have been Grand Theft Autos that have looked sort of like you are where you are. And, like, something I loved about the more modern fallouts is that, like, you could see the remnants of cities that you've actually been to. But there's something about um yakuza and kamarocha specifically that like when you walk through that city and you're doing the side quests and you're going to vendors and you're buying food it feels like you're there it really does give you a sense of being in japan and as a person who's never been to japan has always wanted to go it's like it really feels like you're in that place yeah i was lucky enough to live um, in korea for a long time korea's uh, it's an hour and a half plane flight to tokyo so i went there three times while i lived in korea uh, so 
And then I played Yakuza after I had been to Tokyo. And I'd been to the, um, it's called uh, Kabukicho, the, um, the district that Kamurocho is based on. It's the red light district in Tokyo. I've been there. And when I booted up Yakuza, I was like, holy shit, this is exactly like the feeling there. Uh, the, you know, the papers swirling on the ground, the people outside hawking their restaurants, um, the kind of shady looking clubs and stuff like that. It's all exactly like it is. Um, the only thing is I, I didn't notice, you know, packs of Yakuza thugs in suits walking <laughs> around the streets, but, um, right. and the, um, in Yakuza, they call it the champion district, uh, in Tokyo, that's a little neighborhood called golden guy that has all these tiny little bars and you get to go in some in the uh, games. And it's exactly like that. It's like this whole neighborhood full of these like pre-war, like four seat bars that you can go into. They all have different themes. It's a really amazing uh, little place. And to see that in a video game, like reproduced with such love and authenticity is fantastic. And they do the same, like you go to different places in Japan throughout the series. Uh, you go to Osaka several times in the series and the um, the neighborhood there called Dotonbori is exactly the same, same feeling. Like, and the way that they replicate the feeling of those neighborhoods, because they feel different. The one in Tokyo, the one in Osaka, it's much different vibe, but they recreate it in the games really well. Um, and it's just like, when you're walking around there, it is as close as you can get to being in Japan. Yeah, it's it's very cool. I've seen photos, like I've had friends who have traveled who have taken photos who are Yakuza fans and like yeah. comparing and contrasting. And like I can only compare it to my own experience, like with Spider Man on PS4 slash PS5. Right, like, right. I live in New York and like though you don't go to Brooklyn in that game, which stinks, uh, <laughs> I, I work in Manhattan at my day job and like the blocks that I'm on, like I, you can swing through those blocks. I remember playing Spider Man 2 on the PS2 for the first time and seeing that one to one of Grand Central. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This isn't a video game. I live in this place. And yeah. like it's the same kind of realism that I've seen via photos within. Yakuza and I think that goes to making it feel like such a lived experience is if you are painstakingly recreating an actual place but in a fictional world people are going to feel that one-to-one -one, even if they've never even been there yeah and it 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 goes further than just like the streets too there's um some of the restaurants are like real Japanese restaurant chains there's the the one I think it's it's got like a blue and yellow sign and they they make beef bowls and yeah I, I went there when I was drunk like several times in Tokyo and, and ate the beef bowls there and had a beer. It's great. And you can just go in there in the game and have do the same thing. The uh, the karaoke places are exactly like the karaoke places I went to in Tokyo. And it's it's just like, it, it's wild how you can get that experience from the game. And they they made a good choice with this uh, these open worlds that they make here. So you kind of said it's kind of like an open city rather than an open world game. Right. You can go anywhere. You can go in any of the shops. You can go in all these places, do all kinds of side activities, but it's a pretty small area that you can go around in. But what they do instead of making this big empty area, like, um, you know, a Grand Theft Auto city might feel like is it's super dense with stuff. Like every city block will have like, five to 10 businesses that you can go into restaurants and, uh, you know, pool halls and karaoke and bowling and all this stuff. And the streets are full of people walking around just like, you know, Japanese streets are full of people. It's a crowded place. And so like that, 
goes really far into giving you that that kind of real virtual tourism feeling too. Yeah, I think um, getting that vibe from a game, like the, it's one thing to make the facades look the same, but to give that hominess and that feel on the inside too is really awesome. It's like what I mentioned with Grand Central. It's like when you go get to go into some of the buildings in a game that you're familiar with, it's only going to feel cooler when you see that one-to-one. And it... it it goes like above and beyond, I think, in in the Yakuza games, like especially as the graphics got better. Like I'm sure in the PS2 versions, maybe not so much, but I haven't played those. But for sure, from even PS3 on, they really do look and feel like the places that they're portraying. Yeah, even uh, Yakuza 3, which takes place in Okinawa. Like I haven't been to Okinawa, so this is not personal experience, but like it is a much more relaxed vibe there. There's not as many people. It's much quieter. Uh, especially when you're hanging out near the orphanage. Kiryu runs the orphanage. He's not just chilling near the orphanage for people who haven't played. Uh, but you're, you know, it's next to the beach. It's a real peaceful kind of seaside place. And, you know, contrast that with when you go into town, things get noisy again. There's a bunch of people, uh, stuff like that. So it's, you know, one of the, if I had to like make a top three of like, things that this series does best. I think that virtual tourism is, it's gotta be up near the top. I would agree for sure. Yeah. Actually a friend of the show, Hopple, uh, who's a longtime, you know, friend of this podcast and many podcasts, uh, shout out to Hopple recently went to Japan and went to Yakuza places cause Hopple's a big fan and was sending pictures like side by sides. And it's like, for all the people who haven't seen it, like it's crazy how they recreated it. So I just want to shout that out too. Yeah, totally. So I kind of mentioned the um, all the places you can go in, restaurants and side activities and stuff like that. And it's one of the other things that the series is most famous for is all the mini games and side content that you can get get lost in. Some of these games have main stories that, you know, 20, 20 hours, something like that's a pretty good average for the main stories for these games. But you can get lost up to like hundreds of hours in some of these doing all the side content. So let's, uh, let's just talk about some of our favorites. Sure. I mean, I think we have to, like they would come for us, whoever they are. If we didn't mention the cabaret mini game first, because Mm -hmm. like, this is one of those mini games. Like, look, I, I like mini games in RPGs and action games, but often I don't really get sucked into them. I'll like toy around with them for a while and then move on. Um, yeah. I'm looking at you every time they make me do archery in a Zelda game. Um, <laughs> but like the cabaret club mini game where you get, which you've gotten in several of the games where you get to run a cabaret club. Like if they sold that as a separate mobile game, I would never stop playing it. I would just mm-hmm. play it all the time. Like you essentially pick the girls who serve a switch tables and the booze, you give free gifts and like all of it is to like improve their rankings and improve your ranking as a business. And it's, it's a business manager or business sim essentially. And they have several of those in the franchise and they are always a lot of fun, inexplicably. So I would say like, I really just get into them. Yeah. It's kind of hard to describe like, it's hard to get across just us talking and people listening who haven't played like what the appeal is to these because you're playing like floor manager in here and you kind of go table to table. If, um, you know, the table needs something, you go over. If if one of the customers is causing trouble, you go straighten them out uh, or kick them out or something like that. But there's something really compelling and addictive about it. It might be just kind of how they, they give everybody statistics and you're trying to beat records. You're trying to beat rival cabaret clubs. Uh, the 
the ladies that you can get to work in the cabaret club come from like all walks of life and all ages. And some of them are super goofy. Um, I remember one of my like big stars in the Yakuza Kiwami two cabaret club was this, like this old lady, um, that would like talk to a bunch of shit, uh, before you actually got her to come work there. Uh, there was, um, someone who was like in an orange costume, if I remember right, like they had a Mm -hmm. big orange mascot head on yeah. and they just, you know, (laughs) just the guys are having the time of their life hanging out with her. So it's super goofy. Um, there's been a little bit of talk about like, you know, is this, you know, is this sexist? Is this problematic? Um, and you know, it's not my place to tell somebody how to feel about it, but the game itself is super fun. And basically what you're doing is, keeping everybody safe, uh, making sure that none of the, the customers are being dickheads basically. Um, but it is just super compelling and addictive. Yeah. I think that's something that all of the mini games have. I mean, another essential one is the karaoke mini game, just about every single Yakuza game has them. And my favorite thing is that they do exactly what you would, would expect is the characters go sing karaoke, but within minutes they're transported from like being in a karaoke room to being on stage performing or like in a music video. And it's just, it's always goofy and so much fun. Yeah. uh, Oftentimes, um, they'll, have you been to, all right, oh, just restart. Have you been to this style of karaoke where you get your own private room and you got mm-hmm. like the TV screen and stuff? Yes. Many yeah. times. Yeah, for people who haven't, it's, I mean, I love the full bar sing in front of the bar karaoke too, but to have your own room with all your friends and like, you don't have to wait 45 minutes between songs. You just keep going, sing as much as you want. And during in those where you have the TV screen, they play the weirdest music videos in the yes. backgrounds of those songs. And in the game, the characters will be transported into those music videos. Like you'll be singing like a rock song and you'll get transported into something that looks like it's from the sound of music or some shit. Like <laughs> and, um, they, uh, you, you cheer for each other during the karaoke. Like that's part of what, like, you're doing like QT button press, like rhythm game kind of mini game stuff. And sometimes it's singing and sometimes you're clapping and cheering and hooting and hollering. Everyone's having a great time. Uh, I feel like, um, Baka Mitai might be like one of the most famous video game songs at this point, just, just from this game. For sure. Yeah. And I like that all of these moments and mini games allow, us to see both Kiryu and Ichiban and whichever side characters you bring along to be as goofy as possible. Like yeah. there, there's a mini game in Ishin, which I'm sure you'll talk about in the main episode too, but like where Kiryu can dance or uh, Ryo, Ryu? Ryoma. Ryoma, thank you. Yeah. Ryoma can like do like this dance thing yeah. <laughs> and like you make him perform these elaborate dances. There's also a separate sub story with dancing. Like it's just... These games are not afraid to make the lead characters look goofy as hell. And I Mm, think that some of the best mini games engage in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love how the voice actors, the voice actors are great throughout the entire series, but they give it their all. Like they're having a blast with the karaoke stuff too, because they sing the songs and they don't sing them like professional singers. They sing them like a regular dude doing karaoke. Uh, yep. Even if they might be good singers themselves, and it's it's so good. Yeah, I I love the commitment. <laughs> I think the and I think the voice acting is something worth talking about because yeah, like I I 
I have no issue with people playing these games in English, both the Judgment games, which I haven't played all of, but also are in English, uh, have English voice casts. But like for me, there's something about being in the setting and like, look, I know we all played Persona 5 and they were Japanese kids speaking English, commenting on how English is weird. Like that's a little weird. But like I do like that in these games, in the Yakuza games, like it just feels more authentic to have the Japanese voice actors and they really do give their all to these characters, the personality, the readings. I mean, like I defy you to find better voice actors than the folks who do Kiryu and Majima like alone. Like they are just so iconic. Um and and give such an incredible performance in the karaoke, in the mini games, in the sub stories. It doesn't matter. Like what whatever they are asked to do, they do it. Yeah, uh, I want to shout out the guy who voices Ichiban as well because he's fantastic. And you earlier you were talking about like some moments that that get you emotional in the games. And the ending of Yakuza Like a Dragon, of course, I'm not going to spoil what happens, but it's like it's like a 45 minute cutscene, yeah. and Ichiban's voice actor is just pouring his heart out during that scene, and it made me cry just because of the emotion behind how he delivered those lines. And I just want to give him a shout out. Apparently the English voice acting for Like a Dragon is excellent as well. I, I yes. didn't I didn't experience that myself, but I did an episode with Rick from Pixel Project Radio and he shouted out the English voice acting. So uh, we'll trust that. But yeah, they across the board, the voice acting is really great. They don't have full voice acting for everything in the games. It's mostly just important story cutscenes, but they they always give their all everybody who's involved but <laughs> you you shouted out Majima earlier that's a um a kind of an unhinged voice role to do yeah. and that guy just he he goes 100% into it it's it's great yo yeah, I mean, I can like I cannot say the words Kiryu-chan without yeah. hearing <laughs> his voice and wanting to scream it. Like it's just not possible. Um, yeah, I I think that it's another thing that goes into the making the world feel lived in is how well the voice acting works. And again, I never played the original PS2 releases, but I've played all of these games in order, including the remakes. And like, it's interesting. Something you'll notice, like because. Um, Yakuza 3 is the roughest because it doesn't have a remake. It only has a remaster and it was the PS3, whereas the 4 and 5 are PS4 games. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it looks and sounds the roughest and I think it's the first one to use this Japanese cast. If not, it's an early one because you can hear Kiryu finding his voice in that game. It's the same voice actor, but then by the time you get to the next one and then get to the remakes, like he's really just embodied this character and and like every time you hear him, like one of the games tries to convince us that it's there's a character that looks like Kiryu but isn't Kiryu, and of right. course it turns out <laughs> to be Kiryu undercover, uh, which I don't think is too big of a spoiler because you look right at him and go, "Why are they not calling him Kiryu? I don't understand." But like right. it looks and sounds like him. Um, they've just kind of become iconic, and I think that's what makes something like Ishin work really well because you're not playing as those characters, but you have those voice actors and the faces of those characters put yeah. on these historical figures to still give you that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something I shouted out in the Ishin episode that like, if you're playing it as a longtime fan of the series, you are like intimately familiar with most of the main cast, like 
at least a dozen people. We were like, I know exactly who that person is. I recognize their voice, their face, their personality. It's just they're playing a different character in this game. And it, it makes you feel like you know the cast uh, putting on a play or something like that. It's really cool. Kind of like going back to mini games, but along the lines of voice acting, some of my favorite mini games are the extremely goofy ones. Uh, like the phone sex mini game in Yakuza Zero. <laughs> yes. Is uh Kiryu, I don't I don't remember how he gets himself into this, but he he works as a phone sex uh operator. I or he's I don't remember if he's answering the phone or if he's calling. Uh he goes into a phone sex club, I think. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. You have this mini game where there you he starts a sentence and he says like, I really love your, and then you have these words floating around on the screen and it like, they kind of get obscured and cover each other up. You have to pick the right word to like, keep the conversation going. The, the choices that you have are so stupid and funny where he'll say like, I love your butt. I love your boobs. I love your badger. Or, like just weird <laughs> shit like that. And this is like, you could have just come off of a very serious story cutscene where someone like died or there's a cliffhanger or something like that. And then like five minutes later, you go in here and you're doing this phone sex mini game. It's, you know, it's not like the most fun game in itself, but it's like the goofiest shit. And it always sticks out in my memory. Yeah, same. There's a photograph mini game and I think either Kiwami or Kiwami 2. Um, and like, it's questionable, right? How close we are getting to the border of, you know, pornography. But like, you're taking photo of women in skimpy clothes, and the women are actual FMVs of actual models, famous models in Japan, right? And but the the goofiness, like the reason it doesn't feel as horny as it could, is because Kiryu has to like talk to them to like get <laughs> the good photos, and if you pick the wrong line, they like they pose weird or like react funny, and it's just it's so silly. It's just like. It could be viewed as chauvinistic, and I could totally see that argument. But for the most part, it feels so goofy and stupid that I think it's more made to make fun of the people a little bit who do that stuff or get involved in that stuff too a bit. I think it's meant to be tongue-in-cheek in kind of every way. Yeah. Part part of it too is that like Kiryu is such a – it's like so hard-headed in a lot of ways. Like it wouldn't be so wouldn't be surprising to me if Kiryu just doesn't know what sex is at all. Yeah, just the way he, right. he the way he interacts with people uh, in these situations. So that kind of helps this not feel as sleazy as it, it could. Because there's a lot of stuff in a lot of these games that could come off as like, oh, this is you know this is extremely male gazy and sleazy and gross. Uh, I know some people feel that way about the Cabaret Club and. Um, that phone sex mini game, that uh, photography mini game. There's a uh, one, maybe two of the games I can't remember have this like this bikini wrestling mini game. Yes, uh, which is uh -huh. it's real weird. Um, so <laughs> there there is that side of it too. But again, the fact that Kiryu is himself and he's like very obviously not interested in anybody in a sexual way kind of like yeah. takes the edge off of that. I think. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think it's just meant to be like he's living his best himbo life, just kind of <laughs> yeah. baffling him, like buffooning his way through life. Like he's a competent fighter, but he is not like he is strategic, but smart is not necessarily a word I would use to describe Kiryu. For sure, not Ichiban no. on any level. <laughs> um, and like, I think that's what ends up making these video mini games so fun and kind of innocent feeling is that you're playing it through the eyes of practically a child, right? So yeah. there's no sexual intent. It's just kind of a goofball. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, there are some other mini games that are not, you know, sex involved at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites is the batting cages. Uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2 has just an incredible batting cage mini game. I 100%ed that. And I'm kind of like you. I don't 100% mini games in basically any game except for Gwent in The Witcher 3. I did all the Gwent stuff. But like Red Dead Redemption 2 has a bunch of amazing little mini games. I didn't 100% any of those. I do all the batting cage things. I do all the mini golf stuff in Yakuza games. In Like a Dragon, I 100%ed the business mini game, which yeah. is it's very like uh very helpful for you to do that. You get an incredible reward for beating that, but it's it's a time sink. I I would like ride on the stationary bike and play that business mini game. And it takes like 10 to 15 hours to do the whole thing. It's a long ass mini game, but I did it cause I loved it. And same with the batting cages, mini golf, bowling, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, bowling is integral to my love of the franchise because completing part of the bowling sub story in zero gets you one of the greatest characters ever in the history of Yakuza, one chicken named Nugget. Right. <laughs> uh, the, the, I don't I don't feel bad spoiling the sub story, but I guess if you don't want to hear about it, skip ahead like 10 minutes. But like Kiryu signs up for bowling because he's trying to expand his horizons and like make friends. <laughs> and then like, which is just, hysterical on its own but then you get challenged and like to you get become part of a bowling tournament and the winner it says that you win a turkey dinner if you finish the uh if you finish the tournament and win but when you win the tournament you end up getting a live chicken instead they don't (laughs) have a turkey dinner for you and they ask if you want them to kill the chicken and like cook it for you you go no and he ends up becoming part of your real estate empire in that game yeah which is a whole other thing it's like these are sentences I can say with a straight face that like if you go if your reaction is what the hell are they talking about I yeah. need to see this that's exactly what it did to me when I heard it. Yeah, same um I think in the Like a Dragon business mini game you can put the, there's a chicken that is part of your your three people who run the business and you can send the chicken out to be the manager of one of your like your shops basically and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in like a dragon also you rescue a lobster as part of a um a uh it's either a lobster or a crayfish i can't remember as part of a sub story and it becomes a summon because it's a jrpg and it has like this big summon animation where it comes and you know claws the shit out of people and it's just just fantastic you could put together a list of like you know 20 of the weirdest sentences you could ever hear just based on stuff you get into in these games 100 percent, yeah when i unlocked that summon nancy chan yeah uh, i i'd never looked back like i just used it all the time <laughs> um i think something that we've kind of talked around but haven't really talked about yet is the combat yeah uh, the the combat in these games so you will either love or hate the combat i mean it's pretty straightforward for a lot of the games until you get to uh to like a dragon but they are traditionally beat up games you know um the remakes have some really cool like systems where you can have different fighting stances uh but like 
I will say the combat is the least important thing to me in these games. It's not a bad thing per se, but like I come to these games for the melodrama and the story and the sub stories, but the combat is on on a really good day, a lot of fun and on a bad day, just sort of functional. It depends on the game. Um, You'll feel it the most in Yakuza 3 because they were just kind of fine tuning a lot in that game Mm -hmm. for next gen stuff. But like, I love the combat in zero and Kiwami two in six. Like, I think all of them have really great combat and different fighting styles. I love that. There's a mode just called beast mode where you can just grab people and just chuck them different throw (laughs) animations. Yeah. Um, the, the, my favorite thing to do in combat is if I'm near a bridge or like a lake is there's this throw where a heat, they're called heat actions. When you really build up your heat, you can do like these over the top attacks. And one of them is you just pick people up and throw them into the water. Yeah. And like the look of shock and surprise on their faces, they kind of like hang in the air for a sec before hitting the water. It's just the best every time. Yeah. So, um, in the brawler combat games, zero through six, um, I, had a pretty decent time with the combat in zero and Kiwami two and the rest of them. I was like, I don't, I don't really like it. It's, it's functional. Like the actual, the actual fighting, the biggest thing is I hate the bosses in these games and like not to be super negative on this Yakuza love fest, but I don't like the boss fights. They're just dudes with nine health bars basically. (laughs) So yes, what I do like though, is those heat actions you talked about. And they're like these context sensitive finishing moves, basically. So if you are like, like Matt said, someone's next to the side of a bridge, uh, the little icon to press triangle will come up. You pick them up and chuck them off the bridge. That's the finishing move. But there are like dozens of these for all different contexts, different weapons you're holding, uh, different locations that you're in. There's a heat action in some of the later games and in, uh, I think it's in Judgment too, where if you're fighting someone in a convenience store, you will shove their head in the microwave as yes. part of the finishing move. Um, if you're holding a a bicycle, a motorcycle, a box, a sofa, you'll have a finishing move for all of those. And that's what helps the combat. That's what gets me through the combat is those things. Because like as a mechanical combat system. I don't really like it, but the fact that I'm doing these heat actions like once every 30 seconds. So that gets me through these encounters. They're so over the top. The animations are incredible. Um, along with all like the particle effects and stuff. Cause they're really selling like just how anime and over the top these are that they're so entertaining to do. It really gets me through these things. Um, and it kind of like goes into, One of the things that's very funny to me about this is how I just said you might shove someone's head in the microwave or you throw them off a bridge or you curb stomp somebody. No one ever dies in these games. It's Batman rules. Yeah, there's ultra violence in the in. It's sort of like how in an RPG, characters can't die in battles. They can only die in cutscenes. Right. It's the same thing here. Like characters will never die in a fight in in like the battle system. Can't say the same for the narrative, but we won't go into too much detail there. But like 
the ultra violence is so over the top you especially in Ishan, i think and i'm sure you guys talked about this like you're wielding a katana and a pistol yeah. and like there are some heat actions where you shove them against the wall and like impale them and then shoot them in the face and then they get up and say they're sorry and run away after yeah. the battle <laughs> <laughs> it's just so like it's always been there's always been this disassociation between the ultra violence and them getting up and apologizing and leaving after every battle like that's the gag but there was just something about how brutally violent some of the stuff was in Ishan that made it even more comical. Yeah. And that's that's the other part of this too, right? Like you just said, after you curb stomp somebody or put their head in the microwave, they get up and they say they're sorry. And if it's part of a sub story, uh, because most of the sub stories, the way that you solve your problem is by beating the shit out of somebody, no matter what the problem is. Uh, that's how you're going to solve it. So you beat the shit out of them. Maybe you throw a motorcycle at them. And then they get up, they say they're sorry. And you're like, you know what? Like, you're right. I should take care of my son. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it's so not connected, but is. And it's like, there's no problem that Kiryu can't solve with his fists. And what I love is people continue to fight Kiryu. I mean, in the sixth game, yeah. everyone calls him an old man and he's like in his 40s. Like, yeah. I don't even think he's that old. <laughs> they keep calling him old man and picking fights. And I don't know, if I saw Kiryu on the street, I wouldn't pick a fight with him. Are no, you absolutely kidding? not. No, he's he, he, he might be like, <laughs> I think he's like in his late 30s and he's shredded. Um, he's still wearing like, he's still wearing a suit jacket with no undershirt, like that kind of thing. So... Yeah, I wouldn't fuck with him either, but people do. They continuously like, you know what? I might but just be some low-level Yakuza scrub, but I'm going to be the one that takes down Kiryu <laughs> in game number seven, you know? R right, exactly. Like, the, there's not a snowball's chance in hell that that's going to happen, but yet it keeps happening. And, like, what's really fun is, like, also attached to the combat. We You hinted at it before, the complete and smooth removal of both shirts and suit jackets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the bit of every boss battle is, like, Kiryu has a dragon tattoo on his back, and a lot of the ca Yakuza characters have those back tattoos. And whenever there's a big boss fight, like, they take... Not only they're, sh they're usually wearing a shirt, maybe sometimes a tie or not, and then a suit jacket. And with one clean motion, it, everything on the upper body comes <laughs> off. Like the best breakaway clothes you've ever seen. And yeah. like, I don't know if I'd ever be in an opportunity to do that. And I don't have a back tattoo, but it's just the funniest thing every time. Yeah, it's very good. Um, you know, no popped buttons, nothing at all. <laughs> and then they, they proceed to have a knockdown, drag out, like fist fight while wearing suit pants. And dress shoes, no shirt. Usually no on shirt. top of a rooftop, maybe the streets, something like that. It's real good. Yeah, I think there's never not a moment I don't laugh. Also, something about the combat is like, people don't bat an eye at the fantasy that exists in these worlds. Like, there is a moment in one of the games, I want to say it's maybe five or six, but you fight a tiger, several tigers. Oh, that's, that's, like, that's a staple now. It's in at least three of the games. <laughs> right. And like every time you fight a tiger or a bear or like any animal, you're just punching the hell out of this animal. And yeah. it's so bizarre. Like it, I don't it doesn't even set off my animal abuse triggers because I can't really watch animal abuse because it's so cartoony. Like it's literally like watching a Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah, it's in um in Kiwami 2. You fight a tiger and it was the first one where it happened and I lost my shit. When, because I was like, okay, Same. there's a dude in this room. I'm going to fight this dude just like all the dozens of other dudes I've fought. Nope, it's tigers. Uh, in Yakuza 5, you fight a bear, uh, fist fight yep. a bear, which is fantastic. And then um, 
in Like a Dragon, you have a turn-based fight against a tiger, which is That's very right. funny. Yeah, because the tiger has to wait to go. It's just, yeah, it's it's, and like it's that level of what I love about that is that's comical to us, but in game nobody's laughing. It's no. not a joke. It's an absolutely serious thing that you have to do. Um, what's the name of um, Majima's best friend, uh, Taiga? Yeah, um, Saijima. Ta- yeah, Saijima Taiga fights that bear and it's like it's building to that like you're helping like you're helping this town and doing some hunting and like it's Mm -hmm. this build up to this fight with a bear that just is ridiculous and yet everyone takes it really seriously like you can't you can't go fight this bear he's killed so many you'll never survive and it's just (laughs) oh it's so good yeah it's again that like this is part of these like dramatic stories like saijima escapes from prison uh, he's on the run. He's he's barely surviving out in the wilderness. He finds this like, you know, wilderness town up in uh, Hokkaido, and you know he's he's trying to like get back to health and help out the town and stuff. And it's it's like fairly serious, you know, not serious serious, but it's it's not like a comedy. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself fist fighting a bear in the middle of this you know serious storyline. Same with um, Kiwami two. When you fight the tiger, I think you're you're following somebody through like this, uh, like Yakuza stronghold or something like that, if I remember yeah. right. So like you're in mm-hmm. the middle of this melodramatic plot point. Suddenly you're fist fighting a tiger. Yeah, it's it's always good. I think it's one of the staples of the franchise. Like we've said before, the storytelling not being the most serious thing you will ever see, and also not serious at all, is why I think it's continues to like stand out to me. I think the reason I bounced off, I'm trying to make my way through judgment one so then I can apl- uh, eventually play lost judgment. And like, I think that's slowing me down is that the, the early story in the first game is very run of kind of run of the mill in a way that I think also the early Yakuza games were, but I think they get to the outlandish a lot quicker. Whereas judgment's kind of taking its time in, in a different way, which is fine. I, I do plan on playing it eventually, but like, I, I think there's just something about, you know, you play a game for an hour and after like hour, the hour 30 mark, something, one crazy thing happens. And you go, well, that can't be right. And then they just keep going. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it really is masterful storytelling. And, and like Dave said earlier, like, these are stories that are also involving, you know, double crossings and backstabbing, body doubles, like grand conspiracies. And yet the whole time you're just hooked. And you also get to punch a tiger from time to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 plots of these games are not really the reason I'm here. Like, if you, as much as I love the series, if you ask me, like, hey, Dave, what's the plot of Yakuza Four? I can't <laughs> remember what the main story yeah. is, but it's about all those like really goofy or really self serious moments, or like, um, you know, uh, Yakuza Four. You get to play as four different protagonists. Yakuza Five has five of them. Um, so like that's what I remember the most is those moments like fist fighting a bear or like this guy, I saw this guy die, but it turns out it was a body double. He's not actually dead. Now he's the final boss. Like that kind of stuff is is very funny to me. The only game that I really remember the story other than Like a Dragon because I played that most recently, um, Yakuza 0 I think does have a legitimately good main story and yeah. uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2 is the only love story in the series. And I like that story yeah. a lot because of that angle. 
Yeah, I would agree. I, I remember the broad plots of all of them, but I would say some are easier to remember than others. I mean, for me, I think Yakuza 3 surprises me because it's such a heartfelt story of when Kiryu is trying to really actually escape the Yakuza and yeah. how it catches up to him and the people it hurts. Like, there's a character in that game that annoys you the entire time. And <laughs> then there's a... <laughs> And then at the end, you're made to still care about this character more than you maybe have cared about any other character in the game. And it's so brilliant the way they do it. It's just, mm -hmm. I think those those kinds of stories are, are always great. And then like Six, Six will always be memorable to me and one of my favorites because it, until recently, was the end of Kiryu's story. As far as we knew, at that time, Kiryu was done. This is how they resolved his story. Now there's been stuff in Like a Dragon and things we've seen for the man who knew who uh, lost his name. Like all of these other games are coming where we're seeing Kiryu still going to be a player in it. So we'll see how they handle it. But at least at that time, when I beat Six, I got so emotional because this character I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours with was finally free to get like get away from this life. Yeah. Uh, uh, it just, you know, I think that the overarching stories won't always be memorable, but the moment, I agree, the moment-to-moment -moment ones will. And then the strongest games within the franchise will always remember, remain the most memorable. Yeah, for sure. And some of those sub-stories are also super memorable, um, usually for how goofy they are, I think. Like the ones that I wrote down, like the diaper clubs and the one where Kiryu gets like not tricked, he just like doesn't read the room and he, he does uh, gay porno voice acting. Um, yes. <laughs> those, those ones, they're, they're very memorable just because of how goofy they are and how you can be surprised. There's like a, the one in um, like a dragon with the diaper club, it starts out because like there's an emergency. They're like, we're out of baby formula. Like we need formula. There's kids that need it. So you're like, Oh shit, I'll go to the store. I'll get some formula for you. And then you go back and it's, these, you know, Yakuza bosses that have diaper fetishes that are up in this club, like rolling around on the ground, crying and stuff. And so you're like, holy shit, where did this come from? <laughs> there's the story in uh, Like a Dragon where there's the, um, there's the, uh, I want to say this, the, the masochist who can't feel pain anymore. And there's yes. the dominatrix who is kind of like shunned out of her club and like trying to get them together, like a match made in heaven, basically. Uh, those, those are just so memorable for the, and I know like I've mentioned all of these things have to do with sex in some way. They're not, there's one where, um, there's like a, a chain of people stealing a video game from each other, like a, like yes. a new dragon quest game came out and this kid got it. Someone stole it from him. Someone stole it from him. And you just go like beating the shit out of all these people. And they're like, ah, Someone actually stole it from me five minutes ago. And then you have this heartwarming like father-son moment at the end of that quest line. So those stories are also super memorable too. For sure, yeah. Like I love the sub story in Like a Dragon where you're like, you, like it's all evolving around like this really hot chili and you're like trying to find people to eat this oh, the chili. Oh, the kimchi, the kimchi. The yeah. kimchi rather, not chili, kimchi, right. And like that <laughs> that story is like kind of heartwarming at the end too, strangely. Like mm -hmm. um, you have a bar that you're a part of uh, that you're like hang out. It's your like home base in that game and you get a ton of small stories and sub stories just about specific characters. Like, yeah the the cop character in that game or the 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 um fired cop as it were is like trying to help this kid whose 
father got murdered and he couldn't solve the case. So he's like sending him money and like things happen when there's a miscommunication. Like I like that in Like a Dragon specifically, not only are you doing sub-stories just out in the world, but there are sub-stories for your party members to grow your relationship with them as right. well. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are all fantastic. They usually end with you beating the shit out of somebody because that's just that's <laughs> yes. how you solve problems. But those story moments are really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the side quests in video games, I tend to, I was saying for a long time, the last few years that my kink is ignoring side quests. Uh-huh. It's just like <laughs> as someone who got stuck in doing so many side quests, by the time I got to Witcher 3, I was like, nope, can't do it. I got to get through this game. It's going to take too long if I do literally any side quests. And I still did some, but like the Gwent thing that you said you did, nope, couldn't be me. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. <laughs> but there's something about the side quests in the Yakuza games where like, I can't ignore them if I'm trying to get through something, like I was trying to get through Ishin, so I didn't do all of them, and all of the ones in Ishin weren't great, but like for the most part, I will engage in almost any sub-story in a Yakuza game because I will at least get a laugh, if nothing else, out of it. Uh, and then some of them also happen to be even heartwarming or really sweet. And so like it's just you're never disappointed. And there are tons of games where side quests are put in to just kind of pad it out. Yeah. And I love that Sega doesn't do this you know, that uh, uh, Real Gauss Studios doesn't, like, put stuff in there for nothing. There's very little filler in most of these games. Yeah, the the side quests that you do are really, like, simple in what you're actually doing. Like, if you just break it down to, like, a you know, an outline of what happens in the quest, it's really simple. It's usually go here, uh, beat the shit out of this person, come <laughs> back. But the yeah. story moments that you get along the way are so creative and funny, heartwarming, um, everything in between that they become really memorable and like side quests are something that I think about a lot because I, I try to make these like hard and fast rules where it's like I want side quests to have really interesting uh, content in them. Uh, I, I want to remember what I'm doing in a side quest. I don't want to collect 16 herbs and bring them back to the person. <laughs> Yakuza has some side quests like that, but the reason you're collecting those herbs or like someone's personality along the way, um, there's a side quest in several games where it's like, feed these cats. But yeah. it's just, there's a goofy aspect to it that makes them more tolerable, more fun than if you took those same side quests just from like the outline and put them in another game, I wouldn't do them. They would suck. But the way Yakuza injects its personality into them is so good. Yeah, I think they they really know how to make a world feel connected by having these sub-stories kind of reflect the world that they're in. Because there are moments of goofiness in the main stories as well, but not as much as the sub-stories. Yeah. But it still feels... None of the goofiness... None of the goofiness is unbelievable. It, like some of it's shocking or ridiculous, but all of it still kind of feels within the realm of real, like something that could happen in real life. And I think that grounds them in a way that mm-hmm. makes you laugh harder at them too. Yep. Yep. So is there anything else that you want to uh, touch on before we get into our kind of our closing part of the episode here? I don't think so. I think we've covered the breadth of it i you know i think that we could probably talk for another four hours about these (laughs) games i think for sure you know i i've been very careful to not spoil the story because i think that honestly the best thing that anyone ever did for me when telling me to play these games is not ruin the story because i think even if it's not memorable after the fact when you're engaged in it it feels like the most important thing and it's just written really well that yeah. it's easy to get wrapped up in the drama and i like that to be new for people who are finally getting to this series yeah 
For sure. So you kind of mentioned when people were doing recommendations for you for getting into the series. So that's kind of what I'd like to do next is just, you know, if people are listening and they like what we've been talking about and they're thinking about getting into the series, this now has, you know, I think there are nine Yakuza games available here uh, in the U.S. There are two Judgment games available, which is a, a side series that we barely touched on, but is you know, related takes place in the same neighborhood in, uh, in Tokyo, where should someone start? I mean, for me personally, I think Yakuza zero is always going to be the best start. Like I agree with people who recommend like a dragon as a starting point, because I think because it's a new character that even though there are moments that relate back to the previous games, you are not required to have that knowledge to know what's going on. They kind of spoon feed you the stuff that the gaps that you would have. But the reason I think Zero is the better starting point is just for me, as someone who got to play through this entire franchise in numerical order, it really gives the story much more weight. I think we're going to get to our rankings, but I think the reason Six ranks so high to me is because I played them in order from start to finish. I didn't skip around. I didn't jump around. And so Kiryu's end was important to me. Mm -hmm. um, whatever that means, I'm not saying he dies. I'm just saying his story, they wrap up his story. Right. Um, but like broadly, if I had to recommend, I think you can start with Judgment because it's its own series. Um, though it's not one of my favorites, you could play that in isolation. Zero or Like a Dragon. I think Like a Dragon, because it's a new protagonist at least, it's a good starting point. You ideally could start with one also because there was no zero for many years. One was the first, Kiwami one was the first game story right? Um, back on the PS2. So you could start with that, but I think zero only strengthens one story one which is not a great game comparatively i think is stronger if you've played zero playing one in isolation might be a less enjoyable experience yeah i i agree with the general like yakuza zero is my also my preferred place to start like a dragon is a fine place to start again um it's another thing that I, we didn't really talk about that much but like a dragon is a turn-based combat system like a dragon quest style type thing so if that appeals to you more than the action brawler type combat, then try that because you know I th I think as far as turn based combat goes, that one's it's okay. It's pretty good. It's it's not you know I don't love it, but it's pretty good. And having a new protagonist, kind of like a, a not a reboot, but you know starting a new series with a new group of characters, it's a fine place to start as well. Zero will always be my recommendation, just because you can see the story play out in chronological order and it's not like you know not like trying to play the metal gear solid series in chronological order or something where you're going to skip around a ton and go through all these different like generations of uh consoles and stuff like that it's just you play three ps4 games then you play a remaster of a ps3 game some more ps4 games and then now you're in next gen after that right so it's not that bad um, maybe take a little break between Kiwami 2 and uh, Yakuza 3. But yeah, starting with Zero is my thing too. Plus, I think the way they tell the story with like the concurrent stories of Kiryu and Majima and then knowing how they meet up and their relationship throughout the rest of the series is just really great to start out with that, that backstory. So yeah, I'm with you there too. I It's weird both of us don't, Seem to seem to not like judgment that much. Um, I bounced off of it too. 
this is not us saying that no one should play it and that it's a bad game because there's so many people who love the judgment games. I, I think I just wasn't in the right headspace or maybe I was a little burned out on Yakuza at the time because they're not really games that like I want to mainline all in a row. You know, I would yeah. play one. I'd play a bunch of other games for a couple months. Then I go back, play the next one, then take another break, then play the next one. The only ones that I did straight through were six to like a dragon. That's it. But they're pretty different in the way they play. So judgment would be fine. Also, if you want that kind of detective story instead of the, the Yakuza story of zero and Kiwami, you know? Yeah. And, and I think zero also is a strong recommendation because it's an isolated story. It does set up the rest of the franchise if you're familiar with it, Mm -hmm. but otherwise it is a complete story on its own. Um, I mainlined these games more or less all the way to six, which is why it was like a year. I think I took a year off between six and then like a dragon because I was burned out. Mm -hmm. So I don't advise that. Um, But I agree with Dave also. I think if you play in chronological order, the hardest game to play is going to be three. Narratively, I think it's still a really strong game, Mm -hmm. but mechanically and graphically and, and, and music wise, like it's just the roughest all around because it's the oldest of all of the games. Yeah. And you go, um, you go from that smooth new engine that they made for Kiwami 2 back to the old, old version of the old engine in Yakuza 3. And it feels, it feels like you're playing a, a game that's like 20 years older when in reality it's not. It just feels that yeah. way. And I will recommend all of these except for Like a Dragon have difficulty settings. If at any point the combat mm. is giving you difficulty, put it on easy, put it on very easy, especially three because of how just challenging it is to adjust to that old system. Absolutely drop the difficulty. For the most part, they let you drop the difficulty at almost any time. Some games, if you're struggling on a boss fight, will just ask if you want to drop the difficulty for that one fight, which is great. Um, but I highly recommend that because the co- the combat, even when I love it, is not what I'm here for this for in the series. It's the writing and everything else. So don't feel ashamed for a minute on that. Like you're not the only one. Sometimes the combat is just overly challenging in some of these games. Yep, 100% agree. I play all of them on the easy difficulty after I think the first Kiwami and the uh, the final boss fight in that game was the one that got me to say, fuck it, I'm playing all these on easy now. So uh, except for Like a Dragon because it's turn-based and I can, you know, there's strategy behind that. The other ones, yeah. it's, you know, I just don't think that mechanically they support higher difficulties very well, but play on easy for sure. So yeah. um, now that we've said where people should start, we both agree that Yakuza 0 is the best starting place, like a dragon, judgment, also find places to start. Um, let's just do a little informal ranking of the series. So sure. uh, let's just kind of take turns. What do you have? Um, what do you have at the bottom? So my least favorite game in the entire series is uh, we and we've kind of alluded to it a bit, bunch before, but is Kiwami one. OK, I just don't don't think it's a very good game. Uh, Kiwami Kiwami is a remake of the original Yakuza game. So and it, it from what I can tell, it's a pretty faithful remake, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a result, the the main plot is like it's fine. You know, I enjoyed the plot of it. The combat is a remake of the combat from the first game. They didn't add in new stuff from Yakuza 0. Um, 
And the big thing that stood out to me was the sub stories, the side stories are just not as developed in Kawami. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that. Um, The one at the bottom of my list was Yakuza 6. And I don't know if I was just burned out at the time, last game in the series, I was just not feeling the story in it, other than the fact that it was the end of Kiryu's story. Other than that, I was like, I don't like not to get into specifics, but there was a bunch of stuff that happened in that game where I was like, really, even by Yakuza standards, this is weird. What's going on right now? (laughs) Where am I? You know, so uh, six is at the bottom. Now we're moving up. And just to say, Yakuza is the rare series where I like all of these games to some degree. Just because Yakuza six is at the bottom of my rankings doesn't mean I hate it. It's like a I would give it like a C plus, you know. Yeah, I mean, I say the same for Kiwami 1, I think. It's not it's not a bad game by any means. It's just my least favorite of the run of excellent games, yeah. right? It, it's something that I could have said much earlier in the show that this this had, this series has nine games. I think they're all remarkably, like, consistently good. Think about another game series you know that has more than five games. How many series can you say where they're all good or that they, they you enjoyed all of them? I mean, I, I can't like it's, even my favorite franchises yeah. like Mario, Zelda, it's Metroid, tough. I have stinkers. Yeah. So anyway, moving up the rankings, what's next? So my second to last is Kawam is Yakuza five. Okay. Overall, not a bad game. I think narratively it was weak, especially after four, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. I thought the story was good. It was the, you know, the introduction of Akiyama and that first one also, um, also, five characters is a lot. Like, I understand what they were going for, and I think ultimately the story works, but, like, it was a lot of characters. I mean, it's still the same amount of chapters, 20 or 25 chapters. It's just broken up between each of the characters. And then, of course, they all come together in the end because that's how that works. Um, but I think ultimately the combat was fine. Like, it was a fine game. Like you said, it was a C plus or, you know, a C at best. And I think... It just doesn't stand out in the way some of the other games stand out to me. So that's why it was so low on my list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I can see that. Uh, More on five uh, when I get to it in my rankings. Next up, second to last for me is Yakuza 3. It's just because it's it's pretty rough to go back to from a, a mechanics and game feel perspective. I actually thought the story was fairly good, like... This mm-hmm. is Kiryu in dad mode, you know, taking care of yeah. the orphanage. And it's it's just a really great uh, thing where, like, he's this big, muscly Yakuza guy, and he's got to cook dinner for, like, nine children in the orphanage <laughs> and solve their problems and stuff like that. And I really like that side of it. And Okinawa is a very cool setting. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, three... Three is actually the next one on my list. Okay. Uh, three is my third from the bottom um, because, again, even though I love the story and the like, the 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 major plot point that happens to the thing we hinted at before, when that happened, I wept openly. Like I was just mm-hmm. so upset. I was so caught off guard that because I, was hel- I held it in such an emotional place, it ranks a little higher than the other ones. But it is. You're right. It is really rough to look at, to listen to, to play. Like. I think if they were to remake anything else, that game still needs a remake. I think it's totally playable in its form, mm-hmm. but I could see them doing a, a Kiwami 3 and then not needing to remake any of these other games. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next on my list is Kiwami, the the remake of the first game. And that's, you know, we've talked about it. I thought the story was fine. Um, a lot of my favorite stuff in the series is just not developed to its full potential yet. 
because it's a faithful remake of the original game before they started to lean into their strengths like they did later in the series. So yeah, what's next for you? Next for me is uh, Kiwami 2. Okay. I really like the story in Kiwami 2. I think it's it's really well done. I think ultimately, though, it falls behind because I like for me, the thing that's leading my list is, is the narrative. Gameplay is important, sure, but it's the narrative and the sub stories. And I just think that all of the other games on my list past this just had stronger of all of that. Mm-hmm. But again, just because, like Dave said, just because I thought the others were better doesn't mean this is bad. I think especially of Kiwami and Kiwami 2, Kiwami 2 is the stronger game of the yeah, two of them. For sure. As it should be with them, you know, learning as they, you know, it's a remake of the second game in the series. So they've started to lean into some stuff more. So more on Kiwami 2 later. Uh, next up for me is uh, Ishin. The one that came out this year, like a dragon Ishin. Um, the story and like the setting, so it's set in like medieval times, um, samurai yes. and stuff like that. It was cool to like take all the familiar characters back to that time. Um, I kind of ended up being like pretty lukewarm on the story. Uh, the combat was more fun than some of the other games because you have a sword and a gun <laughs> and stuff like that, like we talked about. That was cool. The the thing that's like keeping this from like shooting up the rankings is I think the sub stories are mostly boring and bad in that game, which it's really like part of the reason I'm here is I for those goofy and heartfelt sub stories. And a lot of them were just, you know, pretty forgettable. I beat I beat that game three months ago now. I can't remember yeah. most of the sub stories, just three months later, as opposed to Yakuza Zero and Kiwami 2. Years later, I remember sub stories from those games. So it, it was cool as like a virtual time travel tourism. But other than that, and, and the story had some decent moments too. But other than that, I was like, eh. Yeah. I mean, that's next on my list. It was a toss up between two, Kiwami 2 and Ishin. Like, I like Ishin a lot. It was fun to play a game at a Yakuza game at launch. I really mm-hmm. liked the main story, but I agree. The sub stories, except for one dancing sub story, like Flash Mob kind of dancing story, that was very uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> that came, that kept coming up. Besides that one, like most of them are not memorable or fun. Um, the combat eventually got annoying because the streets are narrower and they're, and it's a smaller stage of where you're running around you had gotten to a lot more fights that you couldn't skip or couldn't couldn't avoid um the combat did get more repetitive quickly i think mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately ultimately i still enjoyed it i think it's an impressive looking game for sure it's a remake of a i think a ps4 game um that never came to the states mm-hmm. and so i'm glad that we finally got it i hope that we eventually get um there's a zombie yakuza game that we never got right um dead souls i hope we eventually get that one as well but uh I, I did I did enjoy this. I thought it was fun, but I agree. It, it definitely is on the bottom half of the list or towards the bottom half of the list because it just wasn't as strong as some of the best in the series. Yeah, yeah. I, I had fun with it, and it, it kind of, when I gave my recommendation in the um, the full episode, which again, coming out in a couple of days, the recommendation was if you love the Yakuza series, you're going to enjoy this because it has most of the things you like about Yakuza, but everyone's a samurai instead. You know, yeah. Um, other than that, though, like it's just not up to um, the higher like levels of the series. And now we're starting to get into games on the list that like I actually I really really like. So the next one on my list is Yakuza Four, 
which I like. I like the, um, you know, I like splitting it up into four protagonists. Uh, I like the yeah. introduction to um, playing as Saijima, playing as Akiyama and Kiryu. There's a fourth character that really sucks. It, just super boring <laughs> and forgettable protagonist. I don't remember his name. Um, yeah. But other than them, um, I enjoyed that. So Yakuza 4 is next on the list. Uh, next on my list is actually also Yakuza 4. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I rank this one a little higher than five, but ultimately I, for all the things you said is why I love it, right? I think three of the four main characters are really strong and really interesting. The fifth one is fine. He's just not very memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the combat's fun. The different the different fighting styles for the different characters makes it interesting. So instead of having different styles for one character, you have four different characters with different fighting styles, which mm-hmm. is a unique way of doing it. Um, and like, I just, I mean, it's impossible not to like Akiyama, he's a heartthrob, he's nonchalant, he's fun, he's breezy, he goes with the flow. Like, yeah. really, really easy lead character to play as, especially when you're in the opening moments going, wait, where's Kiryu? You know, it's it, you warm up to him really quick, and the yeah. story, I think, progresses in a really interesting and fun way. I actually thought Akiyama got off to a really rough start uh, with the way that he handles his money lending business, you know, making yeah. women work in the cabaret clubs and stuff. I was like, this guy's a real piece of shit. Like, fuck this guy. But, you know, by the end of the game into Yakuza 5, because you play as him again in Yakuza 5, um, he's, you know, again, supremely likable dude. So yeah. I enjoyed him. Next on my list is Yakuza 5. And I like it for the same reason I like Yakuza 4, splitting up the characters, giving you all these different perspectives and locations, uh, but it's just stronger. Um, You have the three good characters from Yakuza 4, then you get a baseball player, a disgraced baseball player, and I enjoyed that little storyline, and you get Haruka, and I really loved uh, Haruka's rhythm game sections. I thought it was Mm. super fun, Uh, and a little peek into like the disgusting uh, idol culture, uh, yeah. the disgust, like the behind the scenes of the idol culture uh, with like the handshake events and stuff like that. Um, that little focus was really interesting. That's the game where you fist fight a bear. And the only thing keeping this from being higher, uh, other than the fact that the top three on my list are like unassailable fucking love those games um, is Yakuza 5 is really fucking long. It's like yeah. 40 to 50 hours main story, you know? Yeah, it's one of the longest in the entire franchise. Yeah, I think other than Like a Dragon, which is a JRPG, it might be the longest. Yeah, it's funny. As some, The reason 5 is so low is as much as I love Haruka, I really do. As a character, she's one of my favorites actually in the series. She's just great, her growth and how she changes. Mm-hmm. But having to do those stupid mini games, <laughs> I like I like rhythm games. I did not like those. And honestly, I wanted to beat people up as Haruka. Come on. That That's been all fun. I wanted. Yeah. That's all I wanted. And so like <laughs> the fact that they threw that curveball and then I had to do the pop idol stuff, I'm like, I don't want to do this. And so I think that's why that game ended up ranking so low even though the ending of that game also is an incredible tearjerker um the way that game ends Mm -hmm. uh so i don't fault you for putting it so much higher i think mechanically there were some things that just made me upset enough that i was like man i like it but it's not it's not one of my favorites yeah that's the one thing holding yakuza 5 back is that it would have been very funny to like use dance moves to beat the shit out of yakuza goons on the street agreed yeah all right, next up on your list. Next up, we're in the top three now. Am I correct? Yeah, top yep. three. 
Uh, and my number three is Yakuza 6. And like, I understand why it's at the bottom of your list. There are some really annoying things in it, but I think what pushes it to the top of my list is it's honestly one of the ones I've played most recently. And also, I just love how they wrap up Kiryu's story. There are some things that are kind of bizarre, and there are some of the weirdest twists and turns of all of the games in that game. Mm-hmm. But I was just so satisfied with how it ended, how the story resolved, how all of the characters came together. Like, I just, I really liked the cameos, all of it. And it goes back to you being only Kiryu as the main character the entire game after spending two games with him being one of the main characters. And so I was really excited to have him as the lead again. Um, But it just, I think it also, it wrapped up my journey it ended my journey with this character and like that is going to always make it mean more to me. Yeah. Yeah. I can see all of that. The other thing that Yakuza 6 has going for it is it it's in that new combat engine that feels it's so much smoother than the engine from three, four and five. By the time I got to that, that felt great to play in. Um, so the ending of the story is really great. Um, some of the story with Haruka in Yakuza 6 was was fun. Some of it was like, uh, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> um, I get it. I get it. Uh, next up, this is tough because my I have a 2A, 2B situation. So yeah. I'm just going to say number three is Kiwami 2. Um, part of it is I think Kiwami 2 has the most – how do I say this? The smoothest combat in the entire series of the action combat ones. Uh, I like I I found myself enjoying the combat the most in Kiwami 2 other than uh, my number one game. And okay. I said before, Kiwami 2's main thing is kind of a love story with Kiryu. And I really, really dug that. I thought it was great. I thought the villain was really you know, over the top and uh, goofy, but I enjoyed the villain in that game. And yeah, Kwame 2. Kwame 2 has the best, um, until Like a Dragon, Kwame 2 had the best sub stories. It had yes. the best cabaret club mini game and um, had the best batting cages and mini golf. So that's part of why it's up there too. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, moving on to my number two, yeah. it's Like a Dragon. Because uh, yep. Like a Dragon is like barring some of the challenge of not having a difficulty setting and having to just power level sometimes and like do repeat fights like but excluding the grinding which always sucked the grinding to level up Mm -hmm. and how if you're just doing the main story you'll hit a point like about two-thirds in where you literally can't do anything and you are too weak to fight any of the bosses which never happens in the other games because you can adjust the difficulty barring that it's the best one of the best yakuza games they've ever met the characters the writing the story the combat like it all comes together really well i wouldn't say it's the strongest combat in the franchise because i think like dave said earlier it's good turn-based combat it's not great turn-based combat Mm -hmm. um but the characters are some of the strongest characters in the series um like the music is some of the best there is a spoiler boss fight against a character that i didn't think you'd be fighting against uh two characters actually mm-hmm. uh and when you fight them like it that song for that fight i'm really just trying very hard not to spoil it <laughs> that's that song i listen to at least once a day it's just such a great song it's such a jam mm-hmm. it's also an incredibly hard and punishing boss fight but like 
I just I think that like a dragon really took what folks have loved about the series over all these years and kind of distilled it for a new audience to kind of jump in with. Yeah. Like a dragon's number two on my list as well. And it's um, like I said, these these top three are like three of my favorite games ever. So, you know, it's like picking between my children, really Uh, my I don't have any real children, so I got to pick from my Yakuza children. But like a dragon is is so good. The fact that it, if as far as I remember right, started as like an April Fool's joke, where they yeah. were like, "Hey, guess what? We're making a turn-based Dragon Quest type game," and people are like, "Really? That sounds awesome!" And they were like, "Oh, <laughs> all right, fuck it, let's do it." Uh, and starting over with the new protagonist, like, I think you mentioned this earlier. The fact that it's a party-based RPG gives you like a, a closeness to some of the side characters like Akechi and Nanba and all of them that you don't get in the games where it's just Kiryu running around by himself or even in Yakuza 4 and 5 it's just Saijima or Akiyama running around by themselves the right. fact that you have a group that interacts and cares for each other and sticks up for each other is really really great and there's a lot of um like extra emotion in the story because one of your group members is in trouble and the rest of the group comes to help them out, which is just something you don't really get in the other games a whole lot. So yeah, Like a Dragon really stands out in that way. Um, other than that, like the story is really fun. The um, the side stories are like as good as they've ever been in the series, in my opinion. And other than not having a cabaret club, the uh, side content is like universally great. Dragon Cart was super fun. Uh, I 100 yep. percent of that as well. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, like a dragon, uh, we both know what our number one is. Yeah, our number one is the same. It's Yakuza Zero. Uh, I have a strong feeling that most Yakuza fans would choose this as number one. It just it it is the best of all the games, combat wise, story wise, you know, music wise. Sub story wise, it is it's just the strongest in the franchise, and it's also just a good starting point. You know, it is a prequel to Yakuza One. It didn't exist until they made it. It was a new game, like it wasn't a remake, like Kiwami One and Two were. And it also kind of brought this. I think Yakuza Zero is what brought it to the West in a strong way that it had never been before. I think before this, the games were coming out here and people were playing them, but. I'm pretty sure Zero is like one of the strongest selling early games. Um, and it was the start of this stuff coming to Game Pass too. Yakuza 0, Kiwami 1, and Kiwami 2 were on Game Pass at the same time. And I might not have played Yakuza 0 if I had to buy it. Mm-hmm. I might have. I probably would have bought it. But because I could just, I already had a Game Pass account. And I could just download it on my computer. I played it and fell in love with it immediately. I just think you don't need any prior knowledge of any game in this franchise to enjoy this game and that immediately makes it a strong contender for the top spot along with like a dragon which was our number two and again like majima is one of my favorite characters in the entire franchise and in all of video games because of this game and also this is one of my top 10 favorite games of all time like not every yakuza game makes that top 10 list Mm -hmm. but zero absolutely does without a shadow of a doubt yeah, when I I did a top 25 games of all time list and I like I put, you know, somewhat serious thought into it. I just kind of did it while I was watching baseball one day, but I didn't just like throw on the first 25 games I thought of. Um 
Yakuza 0 was a shoe-in for that list. And I think what puts it at the top, I mentioned it before, but it has all like the other stuff that we love about the series. The combat is pretty good. It's pretty fun. Um, the side content is really good. All that other stuff that we love. But the thing that puts this over the top is that the main story in Yakuza 0 is fantastic. Yep. Emotional, affecting. Um, you come to get to know Kiryu and especially Majima. And when I say the main story is fantastic, Kiryu's story is fine. Majima's story yeah. is like A plus incredible in Yakuza 0. Yeah. And like you said, Majima is one of my favorite video game characters as well. And it's it all started because of the story in Yakuza 0. And it kind of makes how he is in the first game a little jarring. It's like my yeah. only complaint is that they didn't get that transition as far as they needed to in this game. And they, they kind of fixed that with the Majima story in Kiwami 2. There's like bonus content in Kiwami 2 that's like these couple of Majima chapters. But other than that, like Yakuza 0 is, is fantastic. One of my favorite games ever. Um, when I'm making this list, like I love Like a Dragon and Kiwami 2, but they're not as good as Yakuza 0. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I think that the also like I can't see how you care about Nishiki in the first game without playing Zero. Like as yeah. fine as Kiryu's story is, the brotherhood between Nishiki and Kiryu, like I I couldn't imagine playing Yakuza on the PS2 and caring at all about that story without Zero behind me because Zero just puts so much in perspective. Um, and also to watch for lack of a better term, and I think we'll go back to the Mark Hamill of it all, to watch someone effectively become the Joker like mm-hmm. Majima does, like to become unhinged and why he is the way he is. There's a little bit of a skip, but even still in the first game, I sort of understand why he is the way he is because of the history that we see in that in Zero. Yep, exactly. So uh, just to run down the rankings one more time, just to recap, um, I have at the top Yakuza 0, and then Like a Dragon, Kiwami 2, 5, 4, Ishin, Kiwami, 3, and then number 6. And Matt, your rankings one more time for everybody. Uh, for mine, my list is starting at the top, Yakuza 0, then Yakuza Like a Dragon, Yakuza 6, Yakuza 4, Like a Dragon, Ishin, Yakuza Kiwami 2, Yakuza 3, Yakuza 5, and then Yakuza Kiwami 1 at the bottom. Gotcha. So that is... Quite a long episode, just kind of gushing about um, the Yakuza series. You know, I went on a mutual friend of ours, um, Deadbeat Punk's uh, What the Fuck Do You Want show, and I did an episode about Yakuza, and he has a strict 30-minute time limit on his show, and you you should have heard how fast both of us talked trying to get all of our points in (laughs) in in half an hour on that. So everyone, go check out What the Fuck Do You Want. It's a really fantastic show. but we needed about an hour and 45 minutes to get, to get all of our thoughts out about Yakuza. So um, thank you for uh, suggesting this topic. Uh, as soon as you said, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm up for this. Um, <laughs> like I said, I got about an hour and 15 minutes more to say about it. This little sub-series is uh, available, like I said, to patrons at the tube producer level on uh, patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. So Matt, thank you for you the uh, support. It means a lot to me. And um, yeah, everyone uh, should check out your show, which I am a patron of, uh, which I'm going to give you time to explain uh, what fun and games is reignite 
Screen Snark, all the other stuff that you do. Thank you. Yeah. Um, first of all, it's an honor to to be on that level of Patreon for your page. Uh, we became friends via a communal uh, video game podcast discord and like very quickly sensed a kinship. And after guesting on your show mm-hmm. and ta- joining your discord, it just more so I feel like we've become very good friends via the internet very fast. And I really just love all the work that you're doing. You're one of the go to podcasts that I listen to every single week. And um, I'm grateful for all that you do. Uh, I am not jealous of your recording schedule or how many <laughs> games you have to play. It's one of the reasons that Jeff and I don't do a book club podcast. Uh, but what we do is a podcast called Fun and Games. You can find it on all podcast platforms. It is a broadly a topic discussion podcast about video games. We have guests from the industry industry on as well. We've interviewed composers, game developers, creators. We've had other podcasters on to talk about their favorite kinds of games. We've done retrospectives on consoles, franchises, all sorts of stuff. Essentially, it's whatever topic Jeff and I decide two days before we record, and then we record it. Uh, (laughs) I'm mostly joking. Sometimes we plan longer than that. And we even involve the community more recently taking direct quotes and questions from our followers all over social and on Discord. It's a conversation, um, and we thank our listeners every week for being every two weeks for being a part of it. Also, within that feed is a subseries called Side Quests, which Dave has done two episodes already. No, you did one. You're doing a second one, right? I've done I've done two. I got a You've third one two. coming. Yeah, coming. Okay. Uh, Side Quest is a series where uh, people talk about a game they love and why they love it. Really simple. Uh, all the negativity on the internet made me want to create a place where people can just gush about the games they love, even divisive games that most people don't like. We had an early episode about Fortnite that I loved and actually is the thing that got me playing Fortnite, which I actually quite enjoy now. Mm-hmm. Like The point of it is for you, podcaster or not, to come on and talk about why you love a game. We've had people who don't have any content creation background that just talked into their iPhone for 20 minutes and sent it to me and I put it out like I want to spread the word about great games and from a place of love for the people who enjoy them Mm -hmm. the other two shows really quick Dave's been a guest on Screen Snark which is a TV and movie podcast which is mostly an excuse for us to goof around for an hour to an hour and a half Mm -hmm. we bring a guest on every episode and the first half is me my co-host Rachel and a guest talking about a game uh, talking about a TV show we most recently watched or movie we most recently watched and then the back half is interviewing that person about what they do and why they're cool and then I'm doing Reignite, which is a retrospective podcast started with the Mass Effect franchise. Now that we've finished Mass Effect, we've moved on to the Dragon Age franchise. And boy, howdy, is it rough to replay Dragon Age Origins as <laughs> yes, much as I is. love it. And I genuinely do love Dragon Age Origins on PC specifically. But some of that game is so rough. It still crashes off and it just it needs it needs the legendary edition treatment so bad, especially one. Two, probably also, but we're going through it. We still are enjoying the story. Uh, Frankie, my co-host, and I have been talking quite a bit about it and have really been enjoying it. Um, and yeah, that's it. And then I'm also a freelance editor for the Game Informer show hosted by Alex Van Aken, which is a lot of fun to be a part of as well. Um, I've been reading Game Informer for as long as it's been around practically, and so it's exciting to be a part of that. And uh, I think that's everything. If none of that, wa- if all of that washed over you, just go to djstormageddon.com. You can find all the stuff that I do there. You can find my merch. You can find the Patreon, all of that stuff. And uh, I advise you to go check it out because I think it'd be a lot of fun for you. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, um, I am proud to uh, support Fun and Games on Patreon because it's a show I listen to all the time. I really love the discussions that you guys do, and the um, the side quest stuff is is really great. Like you you explained what it is, but you know, again, anyone can just record a five to twenty minute 
little thing about a game they love, talk about why they love it. I've done side quests about Disco Elysium and Shadowrun Dragonfall. Your Disco Elysium episode is actually the episode that got me to finally go back to it and finish that game. Yeah. And I ended up really loving it. Of course. Of course. It's a it's a it's a great game. I love it so much. Um so again, all that stuff is really worth everybody's time. Um, and if you like this show, you're going to find something that uh, that Matt does that you enjoy too. So we'd love to shout that stuff out every chance I get. And uh, always love having you on the show. Um, we'll have you back on for another Tales from the Backlog sometime talking about you know a specific game, hopefully uh, a game that we like. Uh, we've we've uh, kind of agreed that <laughs> it's a uh, it's going to be the um, the Yakuza, uh, the man who erased his name. Uh, that's coming up. So hopefully we enjoy that. Hard to believe that we would hate it just based on, you know, the last hour and 45 minutes, right? Right. I think that's a pretty safe bet. But I've thrown some other things at you in the nearest future that we could do that I know I love that yeah. I want to impress upon you to talk <laughs> about. So uh, also, if you enjoy the community of Tales for the Backlog, you should join the certain POV Discord server. Dave is really active yeah. over there mm -hmm. and has really been an encouraging conversation. Um, but our Discord is in is at certainpov.com. And it's if you like nerdy community specifically, not even just gaming, we talk about TV, movies, games, comic books. It's a really cool place. So you should come yeah. hang out. It is. Um, but I, but I do like I, I do genuinely I do want to say I loved doing that Bayonetta episode with you. Uh -huh. It sucks that that game wasn't as good as we wanted it to be, but I still had a blast being on the show. Yeah, and of course I can't wait to come back on and talk about another game from the backlog. Of course, yeah. So um, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, this has been um a long time, just kind of a love fest about the Yakuza series. Hopefully, um, if you're a fan of the series, we touched on the stuff that made you a fan of the series. If you've never played. Hopefully we sold it to you and why you should play it. And yeah, I'm going to uh, just reiterate that this is a show that is made possible. This uh, bonus series is made possible by the patrons at patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. Um, we would love uh, any support that, that we can get. If, uh, if that support is in the form of just leaving a rating and review, that's great too. Uh, really appreciated. And the Discord server is another really awesome place. Uh, Matt's there. We're we're having a big um, we have a big uh, Tears of the Kingdom channel going right now for another game that's uh, basically become a love fest. Uh, so if you're enjoying Tears of the Kingdom, uh, we have a lot of people in there talking about their experiences, but all kinds of other stuff too. So we'd love to have you. So with that, I'll just say once again, thank you, Matt, for the support. Thanks for coming on, and thank you everybody for listening. Tune in in a few days for the Like a Dragon Ishin episode. I'm